Well, after weeks of resistance, uh, Prime Minister Justin Trudeau's office said today that his chief of staff, Katie Telford, will testify about foreign election interference before a committee that has been studying the issue for many months. This, of course, comes days after CISA's called foreign interference activities by the Chinese government the greatest strategic threat to national security. Uh, CISA said that the threat doesn't come from the Chinese population, but the Chinese Communist Party, uh, and they deploy many strategies uh, looking for geopolitical political gains on the economy, technology, politics, and on the military front uh, as well. Now, CSIS over the last few weeks has alleged a Chinese government's uh, interference campaign included funding a clandestine network of at least 11 federal candidates, which ran in the 2019 election. Ken Chu, uh, a former conservative MP from Richmond, has been on this show many times, uh, has said publicly that he was targeted by the Chinese consulate here in Vancouver, and that law- led to the loss for him losing his seat uh, in Richmond during the last federal election. And today we also learned that CSIS briefed the Ontario Premier's Chief of Staff after allegations of election interference by China were tied to a member of his own caucus. So there's lots to talk about when it comes to foreign interference. There's also allegation that China's Consul General in Vancouver look for suitable candidates to groom and then use as proxies in diaspora community organizations and try to help them get elected. Well, our next guest has witnessed the problem uh, grow here in Canadian politics. He's a campaign insider who has been involved in campaigns municipally, provincially and federally uh, here in Canada. Kareem Alam is a principal at Fairview Strategy. He's a former chief of staff to Mayor Ken Sim. He's a campaign manager for uh, ABC Vancouver as well, or was, and for the Kevin Falcon leadership run for the BC Liberal uh, Party. He's also a former senior BC advisor for the Aaron O'Toole campaign. Kareem, thank you for joining us today. Thanks for having me, Josh. So lots to talk about here. First and foremost, how entrenched do you think the uh, Chinese Communist Party is when it comes to meddling in BC politics? I think the problem's growing. Uh, it's definitely been growing over the course of the past decade. Uh, to answer that question, we must understand the full context of, of, of the question. There's acceptable interference and then there's unacceptable interference. So, for example, uh, if a Pennsylvania senator comes out and says we should stop buying auto parts from Canada and we should start buying made-in-America-only auto parts, the Canadian ambassador will get on the Sunday talk shows and talk up the importance of free trade, will go on the Chamber of Commerce circuit and might start talking about how the senator's viewpoint is wrong. And then in the next election maybe because of all this attention the senator is getting, he loses the election. That's viewed as acceptable uh, interference, uh, in, in, acceptable participation. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's the clandestine uh, stuff that we've got to be really, really worried about. And the real big question that we've got to ask ourselves here in Canada is, who is that arbiter that decides what's acceptable behavior and what's not acceptable behavior? Mm-hmm. Because in the United States, you have Homeland Security, you have the CIA, you have the NSA, you have the FBI. And here in Canada... We don't really have an agency who's fundamentally empowered to fully investigate from beginning to end any clandestine attempts to influence elections or public policymaking. So CSIS can collect the information, but it can't handle, hand it to the, uh, the, the RCMP, uh, and federal intelligence sometimes isn't shared with provincial intelligence. So it's, it's, it's the way we've set up our national security apparatus. Yes. In 1981, we had the Mac- McDonald Commission, which recommended the creation of CSIS. The legislative mandate that CSIS has is just to gather information. So you ask someone, okay, well, what does CSIS do once it gets this information? And the answer is they turn it over to the RCMP. And the RCMP intelligence unit then goes in and investigates. But the RCMP intelligence unit doesn't have the same resources that CSIS does to gather the information. We probably need at least one 
or maybe two integrated agency, one for domestic, one for foreign. But that's what the ultimate goal of this drama that we are seeing in Ottawa play out isn't should Justin Trudeau be blamed for this or that. It should be we have new legislation with teeth that empowers an agency in Canada to actually be able to follow through with an investigation and get a conviction uh, uh, if that uh, evidence is, 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 is warranted. Now, we, we've heard in the introduction, as I was saying, there were, uh, according to CSIS, there were at least 11 federal candidates running in the, last, uh, in the 2019 election that were directly or indirectly supported by the, the Chinese government. Um, how does vetting work in a political party? Is, is that part of the problem as well then? This is a huge part of the problem. So if I'm running the campaign for ABC or the BC Liberal Party or the Conservative Party and I'm not entirely sure about a candidate or a staff person or a volunteer, um, I can't pick up the phone and call CSIS and vet them. I can call the RCMP and vet someone on a criminal background check. And so those protocols are already in place with political parties and, 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 and the RCMP. But for CSIS, they're not allowed to, they're legally bound to not be able to report on any Canadian citizen. So there is no ability for them to share information back with us. And, but that doesn't just go for political parties. That also extends to government as well, too. You can spend 35 years as a civil servant in the BCAG ministry and never be vetted once. You could be handling sensitive documents on international money laundering, and there's no vetting of provincial bureaucrats. There's no vetting of municipal bureaucrats at all either. Hmm. Uh, so, in, 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 and I always view that political parties are actually volunteer organizations at the end of the day. That's right. They'll have some full-time employees, but not a lot. I mean, they do not have the resources, I would think, to, to do any of this real deep vetting that is required. Yeah, when we think of the Liberal Party of Canada, the Conservative Party of Canada, it's probably, what, 15, 20 full-time staff, half of which are under the age of 30. Uh, so people that are pretty new in their careers. Um, so the resources necessarily aren't there, um, and they never will be there. The only tool a political party really has to defend itself is a Google search when it comes to foreign intelligence. That's pretty scary. It, 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 <laughs> it, it, it is, and it, it's challenging and it's troubling too. But when an issue arises and you're a campaign manager or you're a chief of staff um, and you're not sure if you're supposed to go to a meeting or not, um, uh, you're, you're in this position where you either have to make a decision to say, okay, well, we're not going to meet with that group or we are. Um, and you don't have an idea if that answer is the right one or the wrong one. And mm -hmm. there's got to be a protocol, uh, in place and there's got to be an agency empowered to be able to transfer that information. So the right decision-making can be, can mm -hmm. be done. Uh, we, Kennedy Stewart was on this morning with my colleague, Mike Smith, and uh, he uh, mentioned something that I was aware of last year. Uh, I was through a couple of sources told that the CISAs was speaking to um, uh, members of parliament to brief them on security challenges. One of the things I had heard through the grapevine was MPs were frustrated because there weren't there wasn't a lot of specific intel, a lot of broad sort of commentary, broad issues that they should be concerned about, nothing specific. Uh, Mr. Stewart spoke to, I said, uh, to Mike Smith this morning, about, and he talked about CSIS contacting him before the 2022 election. Take a listen to what he had to say. CSIS had contacted me at, at the mayor's office to, and asked me to meet. I met with them, and they spent about two hours telling me generally about what foreign interference uh, looks like in local politics asking me a ton of questions about, you know, had I noticed any suspicious activity? And I asked CSIS, why did you contact me? And they said, we've been gathering all this information that's concerning, and they've been sending it up the chain, and nobody's paying any attention. Um, I did tell them, finally, that, you know, this meeting would be 
the public would know I've had this meeting because my calendar is public and what should I say? And they didn't have any suggestions, but did not at all seem alarmed that this would become public. Uh, are you surprised by that response uh, in regards to national security and the conversation we're having now that they, you know, they had a broad conversation with it, but there was nothing specific in regards to stay away from these four individuals or these five organizations, nothing like that. Yes, that's exactly fundamentally the problem. The legislation prohibits CSIS from being able to talk about any Canadian national. Um, and uh, they're very limited in their scope in terms of legislation of what they can and cannot say. And so uh, these briefings that CSIS did with Kennedy Stewart are very similar to the briefings they do with MPs and MLAs now. And it really just is a primer on what foreign interference is and the things to look for. Um, uh, but the fact that, again, there's no mechanism to share that information should be of great concern to everybody. But this isn't just about meddling in elections. This is about meddling in the day-to-day uh, uh, responsibilities of government. For example, on November 7th, Ken Sim and the entire council were sworn in. They took an oath of office. It's the bare minimum standard for security clearance uh, or security clearing that you, that, 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 that you can do. On that same day, I became his chief of staff. No one did a criminal background check on me. No one did a foreign interference check on me. I didn't have to submit any uh, conflict of interest papers that the councillors and the mayor did, but yet I have access to all the most sensitive documents the city has and I get to participate in all the in-camera meetings. And that goes the same for the entire civil service in the city of Vancouver and the entire civil servants in the province of British Columbia. And that should be a concern. There needs to be a mechanism where provincial and municipal governments and political parties can receive uh, information that are relevant to protecting our sovereignty. We are speaking to Kareem Alam. He is a principal at Fairview uh, Strategies, a former chief of staff to the mayor of Vancouver, Ken Sim. We're talking about uh, foreign interference and what we need to do to uh, protect ourselves. And, uh, and our conversation has so far been around ceases, around political parties uh, as well. One of the things I do want to talk about, and we will get to your call, so be patient out there. I know a lot of you folks want to uh, ask Kareem a couple of questions. In regards to third party uh, uh, just uh, involvement and uh, even donations, uh, you know, today the law is you can write a check for, I think it's about 1250 per year. That's a check you can write. But the conversation has always been that with this foreign interference, a consulate uh, could find 10 people who agree with them. And you say, all of you write a check to that candidate. We're going to support them. And we will pay you the money behind the scenes in cash. How do we work around that? Our finance laws uh, really need to be tightened up when it comes to third parties. Um, So there are severe restrictions on how political parties can take money in and how they can spend it. So there's a donation cap, but there's also a spending cap when it comes to elections. But if you want to donate to a third-party group, it could be an activist group, it could be just a not-for-profit group, they have the ability to take in unlimited amounts of money. They can take a million-dollar check, a $2 million check, and they have no spending cap as long as they don't spend that money on advertising during an election period. So we know, and it's documented, that there are millions of dollars a year pouring in from the U.S. to stop pipeline development in Canada. We also know there's millions of dollars a year pouring in to support pipeline development in Canada. So it's happening on both the left, center, and right of the political spectrum. And this is a huge gaping hole in terms of foreign interference. Now, these Americans that are donating to these Canadian third-party groups, they're not state actors. This isn't being directed by Joe Biden or anyone at Washington, no. D.C. 
So foreign interference for it to be bad doesn't mean it has to come from, it doesn't have to be state sponsored. Mm-hmm. It can be individually sponsored, it can be sponsored by billionaires, it could, be, it could be corporate sponsored as well. And we need to plug up the third party rules for sure. Okay. Uh, let's go to our calls, uh, 604-280-9898, star 9898 on your cell phone. Let's go to Jesse in Coquitlam. Hi, Jesse. Hi there, Jess. Thanks for uh, having me on today. Uh, long-time listener here. Uh, with respect to what's going on with uh, the uh, assumed legislation that might be uh, permissible, um, I know that Canada is not the only country that is in hot water with respect to uh, foreign interference. Uh, and in response to this, uh, what the Australians have done is they've instituted the legislation that prevents third-party or uh, foreign uh, interference. Uh, uh, from what I also understand, they're looking into stopping all political donations from international figures. And it seems like this is a, perhaps a good opportunity in order to stop the situation, at least on a political level here. But we're not taking into consideration, it almost seems like, uh, the, the, the cause before the effect here. Uh, I think it was Dr. Brady's uh, out of New Zealand, another country that is in a uh, difficult situation, uh, said that there are different wings of the uh, uh, Communist Party of China, such as the United Front, and what they have is a few different situations where they'll use uh, expatriates from the People's Republic of China. Yep. Uh, Jesse, yeah, thank so, you for uh, your call. I think we got your point there. Uh, Jesse raises a very good point in regards to Australia and New Zealand. Australia is a great model, I would think, to having a country with a spine that is pushed back, similar in size, does a lot of trade with China, but it hasn't been afraid to say enough is enough. Uh, recently, we saw uh, uh, sort of an intelligent sharing converse, uh, agreement between the UK, Australia, New Zealand, United States, but not Canada. Why do you think that was? Well, I think one of the reasons why Canada was excluded from that agreement is because we don't actually have a real national security apparatus. CSIS is an extremely well-regarded organization, but they don't have the legislative tools to do their jobs. And these fine men and women that work for CSIS deserve Canadian support in getting that legislation. But the reason why I think we were excluded from the deal wasn't because people don't think CSIS can do the job. It's because they know that CSIS doesn't have a mandate to do the job. So everyone's going to share information with us. But we don't have an intelligence agency that can share information with them. Well, and you look at the United States with its various security agencies, even the UK with MI5, MI6, it's at a different level than Canada, right? We've sort of been sleepwalking into this uh, this issue, and it's, it's, it's unfortunate. We've got about 30 seconds, but I want to get you on. Uh, Tony, uh, go ahead. Yeah, thanks for having me on, Jazz. I have a question for you, uh, you know, as far as political interference is going. What about these police stations that have uh, been found in Vancouver and in Toronto and probably many other places? What's CSIS's role in extinguishing them, or is that purely a, a Trudeau has to finally come clean and say that he's had political interference and then can be extinguished? Kareem, what do you think about that? I mean, it's a bit speculative, but I, I understand. Thanks for the question. It is a good question. Uh, would the U- could you imagine the U.S. or the U.K. allowing Chinese police stations on their soil? This could never happen anywhere other than in Canada. And every Canadian should be outraged by the fact that a foreign government is setting up police stations in Canada. But again, CSIS can gather the information, can know it's happening, but they don't have the authority to stop it. And we need to update the legislation. I sound like a broken record, but we need to update that legislation to give those people the right, the power, and the authority to shut things down as they're happening and not wait 
months and months and months for eventually the RCMP to be able to get to it. Yeah, it's taken many years to get here. It's frustrating, but I'm glad we're at least are having this conversation. It's very, very, very important, and hopefully it leads to, to some positive change. Folks, I'm sorry I couldn't get all of you on. Please call our buzz line 604-331-2899. Do want to hear from you in regards to foreign interference and what should be done. Kareem, thanks for your time. Thank you for having me, Charles.